0: Hi, I'm Jason. And I'm Paul.
1: And this is the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast
0: it we're uh, going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 6, The Schizoid Man.
1: Jean-Luc, Shorty Specs, Mysteries on the Holodex, Asteroids, Triple Droids, Telepathic beta-zoids. transport Transporter, Deadly Claw, Visitor from L.A. Law, Photons, No Kirk, Captain Has Gone Berserk, Shuttlecraft, Council troy Dr. Crusher's Little
0: Boy, Klingon Rites, Parasites, New Heights, Phaser Fights, Data's Head, Tasha's Dead, Wike is Hanging by a Thread, Celebration, Transformations, Everyone to battle. We didn't start the series. It's the next generation on your favorite station. We didn't start the series. But when we are gone, it will still be on. We didn't start the series. It's the next generation on your favorite station. We didn't start the series
1: joining us again on the podcast is ed who we have sometimes referred to as uh h dog because we have a couple of eds who have been on this podcast but ed thanks for uh for joining us once again
2: my pleasure gentlemen and congratulations for surviving season one
1: we somehow through the support of uh our well-trained crew our family our friends uh we live to fight another day But uh, But now we're
0: in season two, so it hasn't really gotten much better yet.
2: (laughs) It's coming very soon. We
0: Things will improve. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's called season three, but we'll we'll get there.
1: Well, okay, so this is another one where I I like uh, doing this a little bit because I sometimes if I get a good sense from Paul that I know where he lands on an episode, Um, I like to check in (laughs) with the guest and see where the guest is on this episode. So, Ed... What do you think about Schizoid Man?
2: Um, Well, I was thinking about this uh, the last couple of days. I've probably watched the episode in preparation for this podcast maybe three times uh, over uh, the space of a few weeks. Um, And I guess the decision I kind of came to in my own mind is there's, using broad brush strokes, there's kind of three types of TNG episodes, and they are the terrible ones the ones that aren't good but are still entertaining and definitely good ones that you should watch. And for me, I think this fell in the second category. It's not I mean it's not an episode that, you know, is is you know, critical to the overarching TNG storyline or any of that. It's really not key to any character development, but there's some parts of it that are just so outrageous that I couldn't help, but like find myself sort of enjoying it. Like, and for one thing, you know, you have Brent Spiner, whenever he gets to kind of break out of the traditional data Android mold where he, you know, he he doesn't normally show emotions or anything like that. Like I tend to enjoy that, um, which is why, you know, lore episodes are usually pretty fun because he gets to have a little more fun with the character uh, itself. And this one I felt was very much in the same vein. Maybe not as as um, annoyingly outrageous as, say, uh, the cowboy episode, A Fistful of Data's, but <laughs> no, I yeah. did, I uh. did, I did find myself kind of enjoying this because some of the, you know, the words, the lines that they gave him, and how he's delivering them. Like, I don't know. I just enjoyed it. It's not. You know, not going to make anyone's top 10 or probably top 50 list, but uh, I, I did enjoy it for some of just the hackneyed things that came through. And, and some of the stuff that, like, you know, yes, this was late 80s. I guess they lived in a different social world then, but you listen to some of the stuff now, some of the lines, and you're just yeah. like, oof, that, yeah. is, that is rough stuff. But at the same time, it's almost to the point of parody when you look yeah. through like a modern lens. And so, again, I, I think for me it falls solidly in that second category. It's not great, it's not good, but I found myself having fun, maybe not for the right reasons, but fun nonetheless.
0: Well, Ed, you, you had me at creating a typology, but I... I, I... I think I have to just come down hard on this one and put it in the terrible category.
1: <laughs> so that I was going to ask Paul you've you've sort of in conversations that I've had with you both on the show and off the show you've sort of tipped your hand a little bit that this episode yeah. in particular really bothers you and I I guess I have to ask you know by holding up this uh this miniaturized data android doll tell us on the doll where this episode <laughs> touched you. Um <laughs> What? Whoa, oh, what did it do? Well, maybe
0: a, maybe a good place to start would be, would be the other side of this coin and say what, what the good things are. But um, one of the interesting things that Ed just said, um, I hadn't thought of, but um, you can really think about this as a Brett Spiner episode, mm-hmm, right? Absolutely. This isn't really a Data episode because Data's not really here. There's someone puppeteering his body for most of the episode. So while Brent Spiner gets to do some stuff, Data's not really in it um and that starts to be a weird sort of breaking the fourth wall metagaming this episode like enjoying brent spiner and not necessarily data but um yeah i think i would i would say i have enough bad things to say about this episode and i'm sure we'll (laughs) cover a lot of them um but but i would what what is this episode supposed to be getting or what are the parts you enjoy maybe um or i mean what's the rundown what's the story this episode supposed to be telling
1: well, it's basically. Uh, I, I mean, I would say that this is to comparing it to an episode with lore in it is actually a really good comparison. That I didn't, I didn't necessarily make that connection, but it's it's very tonally similar in that um, it's a person who looks like Data. Um, is supposed to be behaving like data, but isn't behaving like data. And it's kind of, it's that classic trope of, of, you know, kind of the body snatchers kind of thing only with a Star Trek twist where, you know, someone goes into a room and they're there for a while behind closed doors and they come out and they're just not the same. They're just, they're different. Um, The only thing that's different about this episode and the way that it treats it is that the audience is in on it from the get go that we know precisely what happened and why and so we're just kind of watching the crew catch up. Um I I really I like your 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 layout of basically the three archetypes of uh, of Star Trek episodes and I would agree that if that's the if that's basically the coding that we've got for for Trek episodes, I would agree with this one where it falls. I I don't think it's a great episode. I do think it's a fun episode and I do think it's interesting to watch because of two reasons one it's always as you pointed out already it's fun to watch Brent Spiner do something different but two it also kind of lays a little bit of the groundwork in terms of asking the questions of what is morally acceptable with an artificial life form Um, it's not heavy on those themes in this episode but they are questions that get asked because Ira Graves does steal uh, Data's body he does basically mm-hmm. try To annihilate him he does if, I mean basically Even though he's an admirer of data As a thing that exists Because he works in a similar field in Cybernetics he doesn't view Data as as an equal and he Doesn't view data as a sentient life form Worthy of of preserving um, Because He just basically doesn't give it much Thought to erase his existence In fact I think at the end of the episode when he's talking to Picard um and Picard raises a lot of those questions he's very dismissive of it he I mean he talk he, he basically says you know look at Data's life and you know he's a he's a i can't remember what he refers to him as a puppet or something like that but he he basically just makes the point like what kind of a life is that like you know where i have the chance to live on forever um so i think there's a lot of really good pieces to this episode the stuff that i like is um What's uh, what's the actor's name who plays Ira Graves? It's um,
2: it's Mark Shepard. Mark Shepard or William Shepard? Excuse me. It's Mark Shepard's father, William Shepard. Mark Shepard is a is a pretty well known character actor that's gone through you know a whole range of of sci fi shows. From um, he was in Firefly. He started way back in uh, X Files. But uh, yeah, it's his father.
1: Yeah, w- yeah, uh, yeah. W. Morgan Shepard, William Morgan Shepard, oh, or sometimes cow. credited that's... as
0: Morgan Shepard. Yeah, that's Mark Shepard's father. Correct. Holy cow! <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Wow.
1: <laughs> um he's also he's also been involved in star trek quite a lot he's played uh several bit pieces in star trek episodes um he was even in the jj J. abrams uh star trek reboot he was one of the vulcans on the vulcan academy panel um correct
0: yeah i think pretty much every sci-fi series that has existed in the last 30 years he's touched in some way right Mm-hmm. yes boy i wish mark Shepard had been in this episode <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: Well, you know, he uh he wasn't. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I thought his uh his portrayal uh, uh I thought his portrayal of Ira Graves was entertaining. Um I thought it was it was interesting. Um and uh, I I thought the episode almost entirely worked. Like I really liked the bits with Ira Graves on the planet, I really enjoyed the fact that he was basically just kind of messing with data. You know, like he was just, he was kind of, um, he was almost being kind of a, I don't know, like screwball uncle with him. Like he really was seemingly playing with that kind of family analogy right up until the point that he, you know, chose to murder him essentially. Um, But it kind of fit with his personality that he, uh he's playing that trope of um, of the the deranged uh, but brilliant uh, academic you know, somebody who doesn't right, yep. fit into everyday life, but he is incredibly brilliant so for the most part you just kind of overlook you know a lot of his obvious character falling or failings.
2: Yeah and you know to, to kind of piggyback on that, I got the distinct sense watching his scenes, especially when they're down on the planet and he's, you know, he's in his study with Data, I just got the sense that he as an actor was really enjoying that role, mm-hmm. as short as it was. I mean, really, he is not in the episode yeah, that long and, and either.
0: That's, that's part of the problem, right? That that he actually does a good job with, um, I would say, a character that's not written to be a good character, certainly. Um, but he's only in the episode for 10, 15 minutes. Before then, it's Brent Spiner playing um Morgan True. Shepard playing Ira Graves, <laughs>
1: yes, yeah, it gets pretty meta. I do think the thing that they were able to do quasi successfully is, um because they chose an actor with you know the chops to do a, a big role like that, I think even though Ira Graves doesn't have a lot of screen time, he is established very quickly. He's recognizable very quickly. And then that gives Brent Spiner a lot to work with when he kind of just starts becoming this this character. They give him a lot of obvious, you know, isms. They give him some phrases that he'll he'll lean on. You know, I'm as healthy as a regalian ox. And, and they'll slip those into the script. And, and so they... I think they do do a nice job of, of painting this character in, in pretty outrageous strokes um, of who Ira Graves is so that it gives... Uh, That character presence even
0: when two different people are playing him. Um, Yeah, and and I I would agree that that's really about the only way you could do that effectively. mm -hmm. Um, And that is done effectively. I think it's more that I don't... The the character is written to be so over the top and maybe that is partly because it needs to work that way. That if you just wrote a character that was less less of a jerk, frankly, um, it would be harder for him to um, sort of stand out. Mm-hmm. Uh, once, mm-hmm. once Brent Spiner was playing it. Yeah, I think so for that's me, an interesting take on it. I, I mean, I'm really, I'm largely complimentary
1: of this episode. I mean, the the elevator pitch for this episode is essentially, you know, uh, crazy deranged scientists uh, finds a way to, you know, cheat death um, and steals data to do it. I mean, that's that's the elevator pitch for this episode, and basically everything kind of revolves around that. And so. It's right around the halfway point that, you know, Ira Graves passes away. Data returns to the ship carrying his consciousness. And that's, you know, where, where we get into the, to the end of this episode. I think what's fun is that there are a lot of... Um, I think it's important for Data as a character, too, because, you know, that scene where um, Picard is talking to Data and he's really becoming concerned because data's gotten more and more belligerent um he's starting to step more and more out of line and it's right before they take him to engineering for the diagnostic he's talking to him in the ready room and then you know data basically says like oh well it's that's not necessary i can run a full diagnostic and Okay, do it, and then he just like oh nope. he does it yeah yeah and he's like la la
0: la running the yeah. diagnostic just just like I thought
1: I'm
2: <laughs> yep. healthy as a regalian ass.
1: Yep, look at this yep. I, I just I did it there I, I got yeah, it done I loved
0: I love that problem solving from Ricard like <laughs> oh my computer's not working it, it you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of when Windows uh, would pop up like Windows is checking for a solution and then the bar would flash for a while and it'd be like <laughs> couldn't find one <when>, man just <laughs> I've never had that box return a solution, so you just press cancel. (laughs) Which is basically what Data did. But it felt a lot like that box popping up.
2: And not only did Data do that, but he did it in a very flippant way. Very dismissive. Absolutely. I
1: I think that's why I like that scene so much, because... I don't believe at all for a second that Picard was actually asking Data to do it because he thought he was going to get a valuable result. I think he asked him to do it because he knew exactly what was going to happen and just wanted to see it confirmed in front of his own eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. He basically I, he wanted to see you know confirmation that Data's being really screwy right now.
0: Yeah, and and actually um, to kind of say something good about this too, I, I think the next... It might be the next scene, or it was It was around that time where um, basically talks to Jordy, who has been really set up as one of Data's closest friends. Um, and Jordy comes to his defense and says, you know, this might have impacted him, and he really wants to be human, and sometimes um, he says that sometimes he could almost taste it. Like, this might just be him really trying to be a human in a weird way and not getting it. Um, but it, it felt kind of... Um, more sincere there that that Jordy would really be kind of trying to come up with excuses for this behavior um, that that fit in with what data would normally be doing, um, and not just immediately saying, "Hey, data, you're acting so weird. Let's let's run a diagnostic right away." Um, yeah. So that does extend that believability a bit. Yeah,
2: although they did set up data to be quasi evil from the get go. Because to take a step back in the episode, oh, yeah, we the, introduced yeah. Data with the goatee that he's experimented <laughs> with, and yep. we all know well, it was a, a full beard, right? Full beard. It was, beard. A it, it beard. was a, yeah, it was a yeah. full beard. Excuse me, but but you, we all know that in fiction, if you have a goatee yep. or a beard, you're probably leaning towards the evil side. So that was kind of a funny little yeah. wink, wink, nudge, nudge to start the episode.
0: That was a weird scene, right? It really was <laughs> it A was very, so cool. very
2: weird scene.
1: Um, I, I thought but- I thought that like because it's only the last time that I watched it that that I was like it was a, it was a little weird and it's a weird way to start an episode for sure oh yeah um but I think what what they were doing and what this episode is really trying to do um, aside from just tell this you know body snatching story basically is to also uh, kind of take the character of Data and. Play around a little bit with what it means to be an android in in Star Trek, because they are trying to lend credence to that idea that we were just talking about, right? That like Data's acting weird, but it, he might not be mm-hmm. malfunctioning. He, he does he that might, all the time. Yeah. 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 He he might just be he might just be like reacting weirdly to stuff that we don't know affects him. Really, like they're they're basically trying to to backfill in some humanity. Because in the first season, they really played up all the Pinocchioisms. They really played up the "I'm a, I want to be a real boy," but he's clearly just a, a walking pile of circuits. And I think this was this whole episode is an attempt to establish that I think there's a person in there. You know, I mean, there's a person who's different um, and android and robotic in nature, but a person nonetheless. And I think this, if there's anything really ultimately redeemable about this episode in terms of what it means to the series or how it has an impact on the series, it's probably one of the first times that we're really kind of rolling around with that question of, like, well, is he a person, though? Like, is he, you know, he's an android, he's sentient, but is he, is you know, does he have soul, so to speak? Um,
2: Correct. And, and I don't even know, you know in second season when they were submitting their scripts and when the writers were working, you know, who knows
0: mm-hmm. um,
2: how far down the line they were looking when this script was written, but to know that within the chronology of the series, they are building up basically to answer that question once and for all. Right. Uh, in this season, nonetheless. Yeah,
0: right. it's not, not too many episodes, um, maybe four or five episodes from now that Measure of a Man happens, so.
1: Yeah, and it seems like a natural leap from this episode to say okay so we had one guy who really didn't consider data a person and so they hijacked his body what would happen if someone from starfleet felt that way how would they react and what would that mean and so that seems like because i was really thinking about that in terms of how close we are to the episode coming up but you know measure of a man and it just seems like this is them starting that exploration of is he is he alive isn't he is he a person isn't he does he have a soul does he not you know those those sort of Mm -hmm. metaphysical questions and it's not like i said it's not the crux of the episode at all but it is the fact that that's where it's kind of rooted i think interesting um and that's the part that that kind of Stuck out to me a little bit as I watched it a few times. I will say this: I've been largely complimentary about it, and I kind of want to pivot a bit because um, <laughs> I, I'm not saying it's a great episode. You're
0: out, you're out of good things to say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the list is is getting exhausted quickly. I I feel like I feel like I was really actually with this episode and and could have really championed it for a while, right up until Deanna Troy gets involved. Um, and and. <laughs> It's that conversation that they have in engineering, where she says, "You know, well, if it's not uh, physical, maybe it's psychological," which is a good observation.
0: You know, I have a note here that, and my note says, "Troy, j- just say magic."
1: <laughs> <laughs> that test, right? The test that they put him through. Mm-hmm. Like, I like. about the test. test. Yeah, I want to test talk about in that. Starfleet. Test. Yeah. No,
0: that test took so much work. They have pictures of Ira Graves <clears throat> from. When they saw him on the planet. Like they <laughs> took a picture of him and then it shows up on the screen. Yeah, it's so <laughs> like, lazy. Oh have, my gosh. They have so many pictures that you're are like, Ugh. Wow, where did you get that picture? It's almost like you're filming everything that's going on in here. Yeah. Like Yeah.
1: The the picture of Remick right before his head explodes in Yeah, like conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, who stopped so to take a like, Polaroid on that one? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> like It's like a selfie with Picard and Riker <laughs> and Remick.
1: Guys, let's remember this before this uh, this all goes down. Click. Yeah, so that test, uh,
0: kind of funny <laughs> test. So just...
2: Which actually raised more questions for me, because when they're in Data's quarters and she's about to administer the test, he's got those little, you know, things on his head that, yeah. you know, if it was a... And I don't want to, you know, come down, like, suddenly I'm not treating Data like a person, but it's like, I thought, okay, if you're a biological entity, you know, you're there's impulses nerve thing neurological things happening that those can probably detect and when I saw it and I'm like he's a robot for all intensive purposes of this test like what would they be monitoring
0: right yeah, yeah, and probably and something's probably going on. But would they need different pads? Right, That's, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I do you remember a small, was... point, a small point in the, the I, I think the big arc of this test. But sure, <laughs> <laughs> the whole like the whole thing
1: just I mean, yeah, I, I felt like that was the most incredibly dated part of the episode, um, because there was a lot of pop psychology in the 1980s, um, yeah. and oh,
0: well. What? Well, you, you said psychology, so I think it's time to have a psychology lesson.
1: Uh-oh. <laughs> I did, didn't <laughs> I? I mean...
0: Oh, crap. Uh... Well, so the, the name of this episode is The Schizoid Man, right? <laughs> yes. Um, I think we should just make sure all well, our listeners have a little bit of background in psychology here. Um, th- so either if you know what schizoid personality disorder is. So not... Not without going to Wikipedia? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm literally um, typing schizoid personality So it is right not schizophrenia. Um, schizophrenia and schizoid personality disorder are not related. Not schizotypal Schizotypal personality disorder. Schizoid personality disorder does actually kind of describe what Ira Graves is doing at the beginning here. It's, it's a lack of interest in social relationships. Um, I'm reading from Wikipedia now. Tendency towards a solitary or sheltered lifestyle. You basically become a, a hermit. Secretiveness, emotional coldness, apathy. Um so it does actually kind of describe um in a rare instance um what is going on at the beginning of the episode. Um later though it's it's clearer that he um also has narcissistic personality disorder. Oh say. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and probably some other things, although <laughs> um yeah, yeah. Not supposed to diagnose people at a distance and certainly not fictional characters, but um <laughs> But come <laughs> on now. I think that's what they were writing. <laughs> uh, I think that's what they were writing. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, later he clearly has no problem with social relationships once he's in them. But yeah, it's an interesting breakdown there. And, and the I like how you Starfleet,
2: know. Starfleet feeds into his narcissism by calling it Graves World officially. Oh yeah, and at know. the like, beginning... Seriously?
0: Pulaski's like we're about to go visit the best person ever. He's like the coolest.
2: <laughs> like, but, but how quickly does she dump him once the Constantinople's in Tremac? Yeah, and then she's it's like, "Oh, some people are hurt. Ooh,
0: yeah, yeah. You guys handle that. That's cool."
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yet another instance of Doctor Pulaski. Like, that's actually the other thing that I I remembered noting about this episode was I I kind of put in there like a question mark with um. Uh, Susie Plaxon showing up as um uh Dr. Salar you
0: I'm know, like the are they Vulcan.
1: are they shopping around for a new doctor because uh, I think a, that would have been great a Vulcan doctor would have been kind of cool
2: really <laughs> actually. yeah actually because the thought I had on that was they could totally go with Lieutenant Salar because they're both doctors they're both women and they both have cold emotional range oh <laughs> snap
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it, it does. They, I, I also feel like the uh, that near warp transfer at the beginning was just a little weird. It, it seemed like something they wanted to shoehorn into some episode. And did did you guys get a, a, just a weird vibe from that, or from what the near warp transfer? Where they were like, oh, well, we have to get to this shit fast. Why don't we just, like, drop out of warp really quick, shoot oh, them to God. the planet, and then oh. go back into warp really quick? That,
1: I mean, like, I hate it's when like, that you... happens in Star Trek. It's like, because... can you not
0: spare five seconds on both ends to just be like, okay, we're stationary? ZOOP. Okay, that's all done. Let's go again. Right? Yeah, it's like, it's an idea
1: that is so ridiculous it's literally never referenced again. The whole idea of a <laughs> near warp transport is, uh, I mean, no, that 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 was that part and, just made me roll my eyes. And it literally served no dramatic
0: effect it, it, to the episode. There was a teachable lesson there about informed consent, though. Um, that, yeah. That, <laughs> wow. Yes, there was. <laughs> that Troy's standing on there, like, wait, what is about to happen? Like, mm-hmm. I'd just like to know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. Energize the teleporter.
2: And I feel like they were going for a cheap laugh because then it shows them, you know, materializing on the planet. And she's like, for a second there, I thought I was trapped in the wall. And Worf's like, for a second, you were. It's like, and then they don't go anywhere with that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, okay. You were stuck in the wall, but you made it great.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, that part, I kind of forgotten about that episode because I, I dis or I had dismissed it, but. Yeah, the touch-and-go down-warping, woof just not, <laughs> who cares yikes I, I just yeah that's one of my pet peeves when something randomly comes
0: up in in one of these early episodes that's like yeah that's a thing and you're like that's not a thing yeah <laughs> and it, it I, if somebody must have just tossed it out and be like hey wouldn't it be cool if they had to do this and they're like yeah let's just shoehorn it in somewhere and like never never reference it again but yeah, let's just try it yeah yeah, yeah. so well, even
2: know. even the way they present it makes no sense because you know theoretically transporting is instantaneous or almost instantaneous so you're disappearing from the transporter pad and you're materializing wherever they're you know transporting you to and they literally cut away from the transporter room to show the enterprise come out of warp and basically do the standard enter orbit you Uh, know visual so it like slows down for like 10 to 15 seconds and then they go back to warp so it's like what the heck was the near warp part of this whole equation. if they were,
0: like, standing on the pads, like, in a crouched position, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're like, okay, we're out of warp, and it starts going, like, right before they drop out of warp, sure. (laughs) But, yeah, you're right, they didn't really even, they didn't really, really try to make this work in the way they said it should work. right? Well, it's so, almost its know.
2: almost
1: like the effects team didn't get the right notes from the writers team because they're like, no, they're basically barely slowing down. And instead, what the effects team handed was like, hey, they stop at the planet, they beam off, they warp. You know, it's like, no, that's not, that's not what we said we were doing. We said we were basically not slowing down. It's like, nope, they slow down, they come out of warp and they, god damn it. Or they just didn't have time to, to shoot it the way they wanted to, but... Yeah, I mean, I think it maybe would have been a better effect had like the ship effects been cooler, you know, where like you just basically see the Enterprise's warp trail, like, you know, and you don't see it like fully formed or something. I I don't know. It would be a hard thing to shoot, but you would basically just need to show it constantly moving to give that impression of like, oh, they're still going really very fast. Uh, to be well, these if you were down. George
2: Lucas, he would have gone back and digitally fixed this in your you know remastered right. edition you know what of the they... series
0: you know what they needed? They just needed a window in the teleporter room. That's all. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So you could see the, the stars going by fast. There you go. There you go. Um, the,
1: as far as the th- this episode and the, the other big problem that I have with it is I, I kind of talked about the psychobabble part where it's like, we're going to give you this weird slideshow of pictures that nobody knew we took. Um, and then, yep, Data's got two personalities. Um, and then they've... <laughs> They they really, I mean, <laughs> they really deus ex machina that thing pretty hard where yeah. they're, they're just like, yeah. yep,
0: one is Graves and one is Data. How do we fix it? Yeah. <laughs> it, it raises a lot of questions. And it, it, it's, uh, yeah, this is largely why this doesn't work, I think, unless you treat it and, and really, really answer all these types of questions. Like, are they both in there? Um, which they kind of obviously are. Um, and then like is he accessing data's memories because he seems to be able to interact with people and have conversations and know the rank order of things and and what's supposed to be going down on this ship um so does he have data's memories and then the question of like well that's complicated data has a lot of memories data has the colonists memories right yeah like there's a, a just a deep deep hole there that you start to go down when you start talking about them sort of sharing the space and um, him kind of having access to this. And then, well, yeah, really what it means to, to have a memory. Um, but they didn't really touch on it because it's just like, oh, yeah, there's two two guys in there. Definitely two guys in there. We only have 44 <laughs> minutes. I could feel it with psychology. I could feel it with my feelings. <laughs> It's it's another, if anything, it's
1: like the end of this episode is kind of a throwback to a lot of the season one episodes that we talked about where it doesn't know where to spend its time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's maybe the big flaw here. Yeah, because um, none of these ideas on their nose are necessarily bad. It's just that they rush the parts
0: that they shouldn't have rushed and they, uh, I mean, yeah. the, the pacing's all off. And you're wasting time doing stuff like near warp, warp transport, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that is a throwaway and that, now that's time lost.
1: Yeah, right, yeah. And I I particularly think the sin of this episode is uh, I really despise episodes where um, if the characters, like, literally hadn't been present, um, that, like, it would have played out exactly the same. And that's pretty much what happened. Like, there actually was no need for any of the main cast to know that data was inhabited by um Ira Graves because at the end they don't pull him out of data it's it's Ira Graves realizing oh i'm a monster um i guess i have
0: to die like go I, live in a computer <laughs> yeah. which realistically has more memory than data i feel like that would have been a concern that they would have followed up on
2: yeah but they, right. again they they kind of you know waved the magic wand and says oh it's all of his intellect but none of like his soul yeah, is what they
0: yeah yep. yeah
1: And I think that's an attempt to again define like what data is and because they go to great lengths to talk about how um, the Dr. Sung model for an Android is very different than a standard computer and how data's positronic brain functions very differently than a standard computer and you know, okay, I'll buy it. I mean, there's, it's, it's pretty thin, but it's a premise that I think you could work with. That someone has designed a type of computing that is able to, um, you know, process differently. Um, but they just sort of hand wave over it, uh, so quickly that it just it becomes one of those like, yeah, no, he's in the computer, and but it doesn't have a soul, but data kind of does. See you next week, folks. Like, and, and
0: well. <laughs> The problem once you start to walk down that road is then how did he do this in the first place? Mm-hmm. If, right, he's supposed to be like top, top guy in cybernetics or whatever. Um, but he's in no room with data for a few minutes. And like, well, I, he either built a machine that was designed for this purpose or he slapped one together in there during that period of time that works on a machine that he has never had contact with. Um, right They've said he's super reclusive that they haven't had contact with him in a while. Um, I don't remember how long they say but data's only been around for what 26 years yeah, um,
2: yeah. yeah not long
0: so yeah. the the idea that he would have had blueprints on data or, or had set this all up to have him there to do this just starts to unravel really quickly
1: well I um, will I'll, I can push back on that a little bit because. I think two things are, are, again, if they'd spent maybe a little bit more time with this, this is just what I took from cues that they kind of laid out there that I mean, and these are very, like, thin, these are very small cues, but um, Graves continually talks about Sung uh, and Sung's work. In a, in a way that indicates he not only knows of it, but directly influenced it and, in fact, worked with him at some point because he talks about how, you know, I, I'm effectively your grandpa. I'm the father of Dr. Sung's work. I, and even the scene where he, he, you know, Data lets slip out, oh, I have a switch that basically kills me. Um, yep, yep. <laughs> you know, he, <laughs> he looks at him and goes, now where would Sung hide something mm-hmm. like that? Wait, don't tell me. So, I mean... I'll go. I'll give it a little bit of latitude there, because e- even though he clearly probably doesn't have any of the technical specs of, of data in an android like him, he would be the type of person who, knowing Sung, knowing Sung's work, and both of them working in basically essentially the same field, it seems like he more than
0: anyone would be able to look at this and go, oh, cool, okay, I can figure this out. So I guess there's two points there, right? Um, one of them is a small point that I, 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 thought was an interesting line where he says, it looks like soon's work. It's like, it, it literally looks like soon, like,
2: yeah, it just looks like, like yep.
0: that was, that was not a hard one to figure out, but <laughs> the deeper question there then starts to get into, um, well, a deeper question of this episode in, in whether or not this was premeditated, mm. um, and if this was something that he had at least thought of and planned in some way based on his knowledge, or if this was something that he hatched only after he got this diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And the more I think that you have to load onto the side of, well, he has all this background, he would have known this stuff, he's done this stuff in the past, starts to load more on the premeditated side. Um, and, and paint him, uh, I think we've, we've said the word evil a few times here, but it starts to paint him on the spectrum of good and evil uh, much more on the evil side in a way that right we're, we're basically saying he's just fine killing data uh, and living in his body for he mentions the next thousand years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and if we're looking back at other season two episodes um, we had a problem with um, a few episodes ago Moriarty not being evil enough and it's very and he's he's supposed to be a very evil character and mm-hmm. um, and this guy, Ira Graves, comes off as a much more evil character than Moriarty then, which is uh, a weird contrast to have here. Well, I would especially, agree with that,
2: though. I think he is a pretty evil dude, especially in the framing that you just put forward.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and, and I think that's either... Well, it's probably a, a mix of bad writing on both sides, that Moriarty was not written evil enough, and we've already covered that, but um, that, that this guy was written to be pretty evil. Um, and if there was more there... Um, and again, this is probably pacing and how much you're trying to jam in there. But if there was a little bit more to contextualize it and say, well, I would, I didn't want it to happen this way, but I'm about to die. So I guess I'll do what I can, you know, and try to contextualize it a little more. Maybe yeah. blunt that edge a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I also
0: think some of this maybe has
1: to do with, um, you know, we're looking at this now as being like, well, that's just straight up evil. But I, I think... I think a lot of the interesting stuff that comes out of season two in terms of data, who he is and whether or not he's, he's a person. Those are all things that we look back on now and we say like, well, clearly he's a person like he's, that's yeah. True.
0: True. True. true.
1: And so, I mean, I think a lot of that maybe comes across as more evil than they intended because those were taken as questions that were still being answered. So a lot of people might be looking at this as, as like, You know yeah it's not a good thing that he did but is data even a person you know i mean like that's you know what i'm saying like i'm not saying that's that's the correct perspective to have i'm just saying that at the time that might be where people were with it and that's probably where the audience was um
0: i I think when you started that sentence i thought where you're going is you were going to make a pun and say that a lot of season two is really all about shades of gray (laughs) oh
1: gosh (laughs) oh dear (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh, dear, oh dear, oh dear, um. So, the this episode ends. Ira Graves put in, puts himself back in the computer. Uh, I think because he basically breaks Corrine Brienne's hand and feels real bad about it, and gets punchy. Like that's is that what happened? Yeah. And then he was just I mean, like, oh no! I, like it seemed a weird place be... to develop a conscience. Was, yeah, was...
0: exactly. And if that had been playing out a bit more earlier, I think that's where that would. Be start to play out where you feel for him more instead of just being like hey well this is the same problem that we have with pulaski right that you're picking on this character who in this situation again can't defend themselves data Mm -hmm. is just turned off um it's a lovable character that you're saying well i'm just gonna just use him as a puppet and can't do anything about it and it's unlikable it it immediately makes this character unlikable yeah 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 well and, and you know any, any more they could have humanized him would have been good. Yeah.
2: And to go back to something Jason said earlier, too, you know, I, one of the problems, the major problems with this this episode, and we've just gotten into that, is this second plot line that's going on. And it seems to me, you know, they have a lot of mes- metaphysical, psychological things that they're, you know, playing with in this episode. But at the same time, it feels like they put a lot of their eggs in the basket of he's got this love affair with his assistant. Yeah, and you know, mm-hmm. is that yeah. is that the driving force behind him? You know, if it's premeditated, is that why it's premeditated? I mean, there's all this jumbled plot elements going on here, but again, you know, there's there's parts of the episode that feel rushed and others that feel you know maybe they spent too much time there and they try to shoehorn in this whole like oh he's got this you know crush on his much younger assistant and and that's. It's, it is weird. In that context, like, it's kind of a messy episode. It just, what is going on, and where is the real dramatic import of the episode?
1: Well, and you, I mean, I think you kind of brought this up. I, I, I think, to, to kind of pivot off of that, I guess, uh, I want to say, I think it highlights what a weak character Car- uh, Kareen Briannan is, and how <laughs> she's largely there just to be an object of affection. Which mm-hmm. is pretty, like, <laughs> just like, really? So she's just there for a skeezy old man to be clearly attracted to. And then for it to be a moment of tension between Picard and, and Graves in Data's body. Like, that's...
0: Right. She Yeah, it it, it yeah. feels like the the romance in Too Short a Season but done worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, very much so. Yeah, that that was also uh, it just it's it's such a thin part of the episode. Mm-hmm. We just I just don't buy any of her like her life, if you think about it, has to be just
0: really sucky. Like, I mean, oh yeah,
1: how did she get there? Like, how?
0: Like, I yeah. There's a lot of <laughs> sexism in this episode. This one's oh, got a lot. of is way up front. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, it just it's it's oozing out of the the script basically. <laughs> so that's you know that's also not and the
2: takeaway from this episode, kids, is women aren't people. <laughs> <Yeah>. They're women. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, the, that that's I think some of those that. It's. It, uh, I mean we talk about Ira Graves it, it is the case like I like the actor because I think the actor is doing a good job here but he's just playing off of a character that is written to be a horrible person mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. he's doing a good job conveying the fact that this character should not be liked um and it's almost to the level um I, th- I think in terms of writing the last time they've written a character this good of unlikable is um one of my favorite episodes of season one um where no one has gone before, right? Uh Kul- Kaminsky or Kowalski, mm-hmm. what was his name? Um was also just really Kaczynski, unlikable. that's his name. Kaczynski. Yeah. Um but then he uh, he kind of turned around better, um, in in one way, but he also fell further, I guess. <laughs> Maybe he got more comeuppance, and that's why I like that episode. But um I don't know. They they seem to like writing these unlikable characters. Yeah,
1: it's um some of this is is kind of interesting when we when we think about the discussion we just had um the, i looked into some of the production notes and what's interesting is uh what eventually became what we saw on screen the schizoid man was actually originally two different premises Makes um, sense. yeah right <laughs> um the the original story about what what most of this episode revolves around was called core dump and it was going to involve ira graves um, he was going to transmit his consciousness into Data. However, uh, this time the crew would have been aware of the procedure ahead of time. So I wonder if maybe it was more of an errand of mercy kind of thing. Um, perhaps Data mm. would have been offering to do that knowing you know, it was an option. Um, and then the other part of it, and I think what, what became kind of that awkward like love angle was supposed to be another story involving data having hidden or suppressed memories of the dead colonists from his home planet and a woman came aboard uh who had uh basically a, a love triangle affair with two of these different people he had memories from mm. um yeah, and that the, sounds like a cool episode <laughs> both of these separately sound like they would have been far better <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah for sure <laughs> and so what we might be landing on is another situation where uh season two suffers from uh from the rider strike and from strike yeah yeah the fact that they didn't have a lot of time so I'm sure they just kind of started running into uh, deadlines and needed to get something shooting and that was basically what it is um the the other thing that I find interesting is if we're talking about the, the climax of this episode, which I think is about as anticlimactic as it gets. Cause he literally just hits Picard. <laughs> Picard <laughs> falls over <laughs> and then he's like, Oh, I'm a, how many more? I'm a monster.
0: Uh. <laughs> I <I'm> a monster. <laughs>
2: Apparently Picard has like a jaw made of steel because he just got like flat out punched by an Android. Yeah. They've shown and just
0: data. Worse is he's knocked steel. out. That's it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, I guess in the original, uh, scripts data, well, graves and data's body was going to hold the bridge crew hostage, including Laforge, Troy, Wesley, um, Picard would confront him, uh, and he would nearly choke Picard to death until Kareen intervenes and, uh, convinces graves to leave the body basically. Um, which I think would have been at least it would have given her more of a point, I guess. Um,
2: Sounds like they'll revisit that in an episode called Power Play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Um, the other thing I'd like to point out, and I think Ed, you pointed this out to me a while ago, that uh, they uh, they refer to it as "If I Only Had a Heart," but is that the name yes. of the song?
0: So Ed, yeah, Ed and I both looked this up beforehand. Ed, if you want to take a swing at it, though.
2: Yeah, so before we started uh, the podcast here, we uh, were talking about this because we both had the same question. When It was kind of bothering me when I watched it. I thought, you know, I've always known this tune to be if I only had a brain. But as Paul said, we both looked it up and we both found similar answers that it's essentially a, it's three songs that are collected into one piece uh, for the purposes of The Wizard of Oz, and it's actually known... By three different names that refer to the three different verses that are performed by three different characters in *The Wizard of Oz*. So you have the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Lion. And then so uh, the Scarecrow wants the brain, the Tin Man wants the heart, and the mm-hmm. Lion wants "quote unquote" the nerve. And so the song is known by all three names. If I only had a brain, if I only had a heart, and if I only had the
0: mm-hmm. nerve. Okay. But, yeah, sung by different people since there were different characters and correct. You know, Probably for triple the licensing rights. Yeah, really. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs>
1: um, we, uh, w. Morgan Shepard. Uh, this is his first of four appearances throughout the Star Trek franchise. Um, really? Yep, yep. Uh, I don't have a list of the other ones, though. Um,
0: also... I did like So I will say I did like him playing. Um, I, I don't like the character. But I, I liked his portrayal of the character. Yeah, he Although was a very okay, flawed yeah. character. He was fun to watch.
1: You were going to say something, Ed? Sorry.
2: No, I was just kind of basically echoing that sentiment. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I, again, I enjoyed watching him perform it. It seemed to me like he was having fun in the role. Uh, but yeah, Ira Graves is a complete terrible human being.
1: <laughs> so this is um, this is an interesting. This is almost like a when you're watching baseball and they break out the most obscure statistics. Um, this is an interesting note. This is the only TNG episode where a multi-person away team does not include at least one member who is 100% human. The landing party consists oh, wow. of Lieutenant Commander Data an android, Lieutenant Commander Troy, mm-hmm. Half-Beta Z, Lieutenant Salar, Vulcan, and Lieutenant Worf, a Klingon.
0: Huh. Wow, I kind of remember Riker being in that, but I guess that's well,
2: how He, Yeah, wife... and you know, it's interesting because I thought he was going to go with them at first because at the very beginning of the episode, Picard turns to him on the bridge and says, you know, assemble your team. Mm-hmm. But he only goes as far as the, the transporter room and that's it.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Maurice Hurley was not fond of this episode. Um, he is on record as saying, and I quote... Uh, that was science fiction bullshit that didn't work for me, uh, basically for one reason. Um, and he says, my problem with Schizoid Man is that once you take Data out of the character and allow him to be somebody else, we really hurt the character. He was injured in that episode. To see him playing somebody else really damaged the character for me. You can do that with a lot of the characters, but Data is uh something else uh took some of that shine off for me it's the little 14 year old girl and all of a sudden she's giving some guy a friend he just kind of rambles on apparently uh maurice hurley was not super coherent uh but just really angry about it um well
2: maurice hurley i've got bad news for you (laughs) because this is going to happen more than once (laughs)
1: probably why he didn't stick around very long (laughs) yeah
0: well it is it's that it's that muddling of okay, now we're thinking about this guy playing this character who's playing a different character played by a different guy and playing that character. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, sure, if you have super-established characters that, that are well-known and um, that could work a little bit, but this is a one-off character showing up and then going into a character who is already a, a sort of odd character. like, hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, I, uh, I guess at this point we probably need to render a verdict on this uh, particular episode. Um, I know everyone came in with some pretty established feelings. Paul came in with some pretty established negative feelings. Paul, you usually get shafted and say go last or, or um, do you want to go first or you want to reserve your judgment or, or, I mean, we usually I let mean, the I, guests go first.
0: Yeah, I think I usually go in the middle, which I, I'm, I'm certainly fine with. I, I, I right. don't know that mine's going to be a surprise. Okay. Ed, so what do you <laughs> think? Uh, should we add this to our watch list, yes or no?
2: Um, I will, I will say no, but I will put an asterisk by it. And I think what's been interesting for me in this discussion, breaking it down, we've all, you know, we've, we've gone through, um, the entire series, you know, we're revisiting these episodes to talk about them. And I think that, you know, it it does change, um, the viewpoints that we're able to bring and break down these episodes. And so for me... Hearing some of the things that were said today, it's like, you know, I think maybe in some ways there's a greater appreciation for what the episode fails to do, Um, you know, going back and watching it, you know, after the first time. We're not first-time viewers, and I'd love to know what my, you know, if I could go back to 1988 and watch this for the first time, what my reaction would be compared to what it is today uh like i said at the beginning of the of the show uh, yeah it is definitely not a you have to see this episode um you know to get the entire next generation story certainly not um and i think uh you know my the, the enjoyment that i got out of for the certain you know dialogue or attempted jokes or whatever um is only because i've already done this journey once i can go back and i can you know look at things in a certain different lens so i would say First time around, no, you don't have to watch this one. Okay. Okay.
1: All right. Uh, Paul, what do you think?
0: Yeah, then I think that's um, and then I'm just gonna slam dunk that one and uh, say no. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. because for the uh, a lot of the reasons that we've talked about him and, and um the the stuff you read from Maurice Hurley makes some good points too, right? That it, it is starting to get in that zone of being damaging the characters and it's just it's a it's a weird line to walk when you start doing these body swap episodes and they've done a few right they had um what lonely among us um kind of did the same thing um the lore episode comes close right they've tried this a few times semi successfully and um just one of those things that not every swing you take at this is going to be great and they they did this one in weird ways and um, a lot of it is that probably a B-plot, but yeah. I don't know. It's it's that I would have liked to see more Ira Graves, probably. You know, if, if they had done something even as silly, and this would take the Brent Spiner parts out, which is then itself weird. But, you know, if, if you run an episode like this and the person still sees themselves in mirrors or whatever, right, and they see them the, the being that is in themselves, which wouldn't work here. Um, but if I had gotten to see more of Ira Graves that might have helped it a little bit if this episode was salvageable at all I don't don't, don't know that I'm gonna say it is yeah yeah I will I'll do that
1: same thing I'll say skip with a caveat which is basically like look if you want to watch kind of a goofy episode with a pretty well-known actor playing a ragingly misogynistic character then you know I mean hey you can you can watch it for that but there's nothing here that's necessary material and and towards the end it just kind of runs out of steam Um, I feel like it's at least 50 to 60% of a good episode but then uh, the parts that aren't good are very not good Um, I will say though I almost said yes and I almost said watch it if only for the eulogy that Data
0: gives Oh, we have not touched on that it is the high (laughs) point of the episode (laughs) I imagine you're just going to insert that with audio right here so we could talk about it I can safely (laughs) say that to know him Was to love him. And to love him. Was to know him. Those who knew him.
2: Loved him. While those who did not
0: know him. Loved him. From afar. Data. I'm almost finished, sir. You are finished, Data.
1: That right there is probably... Uh, I love that scene more than I think I have any right to. Um, I think it's just so brilliant because uh, Brent Spiner has the ability to ham it up when need be, when the situation calls for it. The situation definitely called for it here. Uh, And the way in which uh, Picard is (laughs) able to deliver the line of, you are finished, Data. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great line. Gold! I mean, it's just so good. Oh my god.
2: And that eulogy, like, it is really funny when you consider, like, yeah, we've had a short introduction to who Graves is, and, and as Paul said, he's a huge narcissist. How would a narcissist of his level write his own eulogy right yes
1: yeah that's probably the part of the episode that's truly inspired <laughs> because yeah and, and, and the <laughs> trick
0: is though so right it's good because it's so meta yeah right. yep. yeah correct like yeah it's weird
1: oh goodness
0: all right well gentlemen as always this has been a
1: lot of fun i think that is uh basically the long and the short of it for the schizoid man we will have another episode we'll be talking about unnatural selection uh mm-hmm. next time uh, Paul, I don't know if you happen to remember off the top of your head who's going to join us for that one. Uh, not off the top. I no, no. It'll be a surprise. So until then and <laughs> until next time, uh, I'm Jason and I'm Paul and Ed. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, to know Ed is to love Ed <laughs> is to know Ed. <laughs>
0: they, they should have called. They should have called this episode "Perfect Strangers." <laughs>
1: you son of a i know why you did that <laughs> <laughs>